Well, I'm excited. We are going to kick off a three-week kind of mini-series that we've entitled Measures. And, and the reason being is our measures are what we would consider kind of a uh, checkpoints in our spiritual journey that help us determine how are we doing in our walk with Christ. Um, and I don't know about you guys. Maybe it's just because I got kids. But I feel like as I don't live like calendar year really in my mind. Like it's always school semesters for me. And, and so there's something about starting the fall putting my kids back in school after they've run around my house for the last eight weeks, uh, that I'm going, hey, I can start some new rhythms. There's some things that I want to get back in place that have been a little bit difficult uh, when our rhythms are off. And so I just always look at school years as a great time to, man, just to do some heart checking and some uh, just even discipline checking in my life and go, what are some new goals? I, I did that this week, writing down, what are, how is Monday tomorrow going to look different when my kids leave the house, praise the Lord, for a little while? Um, and so you may be doing the same thing. And so we thought, hey, what about for the next three weeks? We take a moment to go, hey, how can we assess, how can we set some goals um, for our walk with Jesus? Part of our, our heart in this measures, when we talk about measures, uh, we've got three of them. We, and if you've been here at any, any length of time, you've heard them. The first is to belong to Christ and to community. And we believe these are all very biblically mandated things. The next is to become more and more into the image of Jesus. And then lastly, uh, to go beyond, beyond yourself for the glory of God. And so when we look at that as a church, even as, your, as staff and elders, we're going, okay, what are the practical ways that we can set up things for you guys to begin to, to do this in your own life that it would be beneficial for you. And so today, uh, we're gonna look at some scripture, but also some very practical steps of how can you continue in this walk of belonging to Christ and belonging to community. Uh, in my family, uh, at our house, we've started something new that I think's good. We decided, hey, we are gonna give our kids allowance. And, and it's not like based on, here's your list of chores. Uh, each chore you get, you get a dollar. It's like, you belong to this family, and so we're going to give you allowance at the end of the month. You're on salary here, so uh, there's not hours that we're clocking. It's if we tell you to do something, it just means it's going to happen. But what has kind of come out of this, one, I think it's great. Like, we want our kids to learn, what does it mean to save your money? What does it mean to tithe to the church? What, what does it look like that you buy your Dr. Pepper at the ball fields and not us? Can I tell you, they buy so much less stuff if you make them use their own money. Just, that's free for you today if you want to save a little money that has helped us. Uh, but regardless, what's kind of come up now is my my kids are like, I'm like, hey, I need someone to, uh, to vacuum the living room. They're like, can I do it for $2? I'm like, no, you can't do it for $2. Hey, I need someone to feed the dogs. Hey, is that, can, I get that, can I get a dollar for that, Dad? Can I get it? No, like you, you get allowance. You belong to the family, and there's certain things that it means to belong to this specific family. And so as I thought about that, as I'm even teaching my own kids, what does it mean to belong to the bird household? When Katie, my wife, and I, now, as your parents, what does it mean to, to live in here? And, and I wrote down some things that I'm trying to teach my kids of what it means to belong to our family. One is that you will be unconditionally and radically loved. That, that's something I want our kids to know. They will be unconditionally and radically loved. They're gonna be fully accepted and cared for regardless of the things and mistakes that they make. Their needs are always going to be met even if it means sacrifice for Katie and I. Not their wants. <laughs> uh, my, my daughter wants to get a horse. I told her that it's not happening. Um, but her needs, if it means sacrifice for Katie and I, we're, we're going to make sure you get your needs met because you belong to this family. The, these kind of lists go on and on. And, and, and in the end, right, it's because they bear my name. They are my sons and she is my daughter. 
And because of that, these things are gonna happen. You don't have to perform for it. You can't earn it. It just is because you belong to me. But with that also comes some aspects of what does it mean to belong to this family that we're going to live in, right? Part of that is going, hey, you are going to care for your siblings, right? Younger brothers, these two brothers that can like play together, great. And the next minute I walk in, there's bloody mouths. I'm like, what happened? I don't know. They attacked each other. I'm like, you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're going to care for one another because you're brothers, your family. You're gonna care for your sister because she's your sister. We're working on this. We're going, you're going to sacrifice on behalf of the other people in this family. That's a hard one. <laughs> it's like, this is mine. You see the sin nature in all of us when we're like, no, I want you to share with your brothers and sisters. But we're gonna do that. Why? Because you belong to this family. We have chores. We do make them do chores. And look, if they don't pull their weight, the things don't get done in our house the way that they need to, to happen. It doesn't operate correctly. So I'm going, Look, you are at an age now that you're gonna be doing these things and this is how our household's gonna be run so that our house runs correctly. And then lastly, we've got, we've got some rules. We've got some lanes and we're going, this is, this is how things go well. <laughs> and if you get outside of these lanes, there's going to be discipline. But, but our purpose in disciplining you is for correction and for your good, to restore you, to make you a godly man and a godly woman. And this is what it means to belong to our family. Now look, we... We don't even get close to doing this right all the time, okay? But it's, it's, the, it's the heart, it's the hope of what it means to belong to our family. And man, when I look at this idea of belonging to Jesus and belonging to community, it, it is so similar. To belong to Christ is this idea now that you are a son or a daughter of King Jesus. God is our father. We are now brought into his family as sons and daughters. And because of that, whether you like it or not, you and I now become brothers and sisters. And there's the same idea that we walk in this unconditional love and the protection. And we're going to look at those things. But at the same time, he calls us to operate and to pull our weight as a family of God because he's positioned us to do so. And so this morning, here's what we're going to do. I've got two hopes as we look at belonging to Christ and belonging to community. Uh, one, I want to talk about how do you do this. Look, in a room this size, here's what I realize. There's, maybe the majority of you would say, I do belong to Christ. And you know what I found as I looked at what does it mean to belong to Christ? How do you belong to Christ? Even just hearing the basics of the gospel are refreshing for the soul. And I'm hoping, one, as we talk about how to belong to Christ this morning, it will be refreshing for you. But, but I believe this, too. Probably in this room, there's some of you that wrestle, am I really Jesus's? Am I his? Or maybe you're not even wrestling with it. You're going, I know I'm not a Christian. I've been, I've been on the fence. I'm not sure what it looks like to belong to Christ. And man, I've been praying for you specifically that as you hear these things of, of the benefit of belonging to Christ and how to belong to Christ, that today you would go, I wanna do that. But also for me, one of the most refreshing things as a believer for a long time was going, why is that important? Like, what comes out of belonging to Jesus? So we're gonna share that this morning. I hope that it's encouraging. And then lastly, we're gonna look at belonging to community. And, and why is sacrificing and commitment to the church important? Why, why does Jesus command that to us? What, what's the benefit of it? And then I'm gonna give you some really tangible steps to walk out of here and go, let's pray about how to belong. And so with that, I wanna begin by belong to Christ. And what does it mean to belong to Jesus? In Ephesians 2, 18 and 19, really is a, is a quick phrase of what it means to, to be saved, right? When we talk about 
to belong to Jesus. It means to be saved. It means to be a Christian. And here's what Ephesians 2, 18 and 19 say. It says, for through him, we both have access. I'm sorry, Ephesians 1. Let's start here. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. I'll let you get there, making you jump around. At least it's in the same book, right? Ephesians 1, 13 through 14 says this. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed, in him were sealed with the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. What Paul has done for us is he has lined up the how and the why in one sentence. And it begins with this idea that we heard a message, and I I don't know where you were or what happened or who shared or if you were at some revival or at a church or on the street or in your college dorm, but you heard something about Jesus and all of a sudden it clicked and this good news of the gospel, that's all gospel means, this good news hit you and you were like, I want that. And so this morning, I want to just for a moment remind our hearts and our souls, what was this good news that was so revolutionary to you and I? And so the gospel is simple, church. Uh, This is something that you can share with others. It, It begins with this, that God created us. Look, you and I were created by God and for God, and every longing of our soul. Every hunger and thirst that you find internally in the end can only be filled in relationship with God. There is something in us that we feel the yearning, we feel the longing, and and usually if we don't know to direct that to God, we're running after all kinds of things going, maybe this will satisfy, and it never does. And so we were created by him and for him. The next part of the gospel is that sin separated us. Look, we've even talked about this in this church, right? This argument of the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. You have free will. I have free will. In our free will, here's what we decided. I want nothing to do with Jesus, and we ran after sin. That's what our free will got us. We ran the opposite direction. We were created for him. We go, I don't even care. I'm going after other things. And because God is holy, he says he can't even be in the presence of sin. And so all of a sudden, we've got this massive problem that we were created to be in relationship with God. It's the only thing that satisfies our soul, and we chose something else. And now, the next part of the gospel is, you and I can do nothing to fix that. There is nothing that we can do to make what is broken right again. I think there's something in us even, there's a, there's a tendency in people to go, well, well, maybe at this point if I, I can try to please God and I can do a lot of good things and maybe, maybe my good stuff will outweigh my sin or all, all these different thoughts of how can I make right what I broke in the beginning and the Bible says you can do nothing to fix that. Why? The requirement's perfection. To be with the Lord requires perfection and you and I don't have it. And so this is where the gospel turns into really great news. Man, God created you. He sees you in that. He sees that we can fix that. And he goes, so I'm going to be the one that fixes it. And because of his love, like this is the basic John 3, 16, for God so loves the world that he sent his son. And there's these things that we have to know about Jesus because it, it tells us our identity in looking at the life of Christ. And the first thing is this, that he came and he indwelled and he was 
perfect. If someone ever asked you, hey, did Jesus live a sinless life, what would your answer be? I hope you could say he was absolutely perfect without sin. Only way he did that is that he was fully human, but he was also God. The Bible says he was tempted as you and I, yet without sin. If you're in Jesus, you, you inherit that identity. How amazing is that? <laughs> like, when's, when's the last time that you were tempted and, and fell into sin? Today, yesterday, last month? And, and yet God lavishes on us an identity that says, when we are tempted, we, we get the perfection of Jesus. <laughs> and so he was tempted as you and I, yet without sin. And then he went to, to the cross and he died. The Bible's clear, man. Like the penalty of our sin, the, what we get because of sin is death, both physical death and spiritual death, like separation from God and hell forever. And God goes, man, I love you. I've created you. I want you to experience abundant life. I'm gonna send my son for you. Even in the midst of your mess, he lives perfect for us. And then this only sinless human being to ever live goes to the cross and pays a penalty for sin for you and I. Do you realize if you went to the cross today, you're like, man, I wanna die. I wanna pay the penalty for my sin. Do you realize it wouldn't have erased your sin? It would just be what was due to you? If you were like, I'll give my life up. I'll pay the price. He's like, great. That's what, you, well, that's what you've earned. And when you die, you'll be separated from me. So here's Jesus, fully perfect. And he goes and he pays this penalty and he resurrects and defeats the sin. That, that's that word redemption that we've talked about the last few weeks. Redemption is, is, is that Christ paid a price for you, even in our brokenness, even when we were his enemy, because he loves us. And it was a price that we could never pay. We, we didn't have anything to pull from to, to pay that penalty. And he resurrects and he offers this up as a gift. He goes, look, I, I want you to have forgiveness of sin. I want you to have eternal life. And what Paul is saying in Ephesians is he says, there came a moment where you heard that and it radically transformed your life. Before we go too much further in belonging to Jesus, this is a part of it. In Romans chapter 10, Paul says something that I think is profound. He, he sums up this idea of what does it mean to hear that gospel that we just talked about, all of these things that Christ has done so he could win us back and he could save us. Here's what he says in Romans 10, 13 through 15. And you guys are probably familiar with this, but I just want it to be fresh on our ears and our hearts this morning. It says, for, whoever, uh, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So one, if you're in this room and you're on the fence about following Christ, he's going, it does not matter what your past looks like. It does not matter who you think you are or whether you think you are worthy. If you call on the name of Jesus, you will be saved. That was for each of us. But here's a question I have for you. As a believer in this room, your neighbor that you know, man, just lives kind of crazy. Do you believe in your heart that if they call on the name of the Lord, they'll be saved? For your coworker that you're gonna see tomorrow that you know just does shady stuff all the time, in your heart you walk in and go, man, if they call on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. I think sometimes we believe that for ourselves, but we don't believe it for other people. We look at other people and go, there's no way they would ever turn to the Lord. <laughs> this, this whole Christianity thing is probably just not for them. Like you don't know how they live. 
And Paul's going, man, anybody that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but they have to hear. They have to hear this good news. And look, look at how he continues in verse 14. He asks a really hard question for you and I. He says, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Wouldn't that be cool if that was just for like full-time preachers, that that's what that verse was for? <laughs> it let us off the hook a little. I guess it wouldn't let me off the hook, so it doesn't matter. But for maybe for you. You and I as believers are a sent people. Jesus met with his disciples before he ascended into heaven and he gives the great commission. I want you to go out to the ends of the earth and I want you to preach this gospel message and know that in the midst of those things that feel huge and impossible, I'm with you and I'm gonna work and do amazing things because whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You are a sent individual. And whether you're a stay-at-home mom or dad or you've got a career or you're a teacher going back in the fall, you have been sent into the world to provide light. And anybody that calls on the name, man, let this sink into your heart and mind. Every person that you talk to today and tomorrow and this week, if they call on the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. Like, that's profound. And God sent you so that they would hear. And they're not gonna believe unless someone tells them about this gospel message. And he gives us the privilege to be a part of that. And you go, man, I'm not equipped. I don't know the answers. I don't understand all that the Bible is saying. And I'm going, look, I just shared with you the, the gospel in a nutshell. If you're able to go, look, sin separated you and Jesus died for your sin and you can be forgiven, you know enough of the gospel to help people see this good news. He's going, man, people need to hear this. And he sent us out to do it. And so as he continues this idea of what does it mean to belong to Jesus, we look back at Ephesians 1. He says, in him, when you also heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed. Now, here's the next part of how to belong to Christ. There is a need for belief. But this is not just knowledge. And this is not just acknowledgement. You can sit in this room this morning and you can go, I believe what the Bible says about Jesus. I acknowledge that Jesus came, he died, and he was resurrected. Believe it, acknowledge it, and that does not save you. Right? The Bible teaches that the demons acknowledge and believe those things, and we know that they are not saved. They do not belong to Jesus. And so what does it mean to belong to Jesus? It, it, it is a moment, man, salvation happens instantaneously. Your journey to that belief moment could take your whole life. But when you are saved, it is like a light switch that comes off, right? He says it's a free gift that you've accepted. I, I think of it like this. I think of it like Christmas. Look, you may be driving to mom and dad's house, right? It's Christmas season. You got Christmas music in the car, all the things, but you haven't opened a gift to receive that yet. You can be in the house eating cookies and sausage balls and going, man, look at all the pretty tree, the, the, uh, all the pretty presents under the tree. But until you take hold of it and you open it and you hold it up and it's like, boom, I got a fresh pair of underwear. It's not yours until you do that, right? Like you have to come to the moment where you take hold of the gift and it becomes yours, and the same is for salvation. You can be singing the songs, man. 
You can know what scripture says and you can, you can go, I believe that Jesus resurrected from the dead. But until there's a moment where you come and you say, I receive that, I, I, I surrender to you. Right? Belief is this active faith of surrender saying, Jesus, you're mine. And the moment that you do that, scripture teaches that you're saved and that the spirit of God, he says, comes and lives in us as a seal until our future inheritance. And so look, I, I'm, not, I'm not one that would say, you, you need to know like the, the moment and the hour and what, what was the temperature like when you became a Christian. But I'm gonna tell you, you haven't been a Christian your whole life, okay? There, there's a moment in time where all the things that God's been doing in us in our life and through the scripture, it, it hits us and we hear this gospel good news and we turn to Christ and we are saved. Now, that's kind of the most important check mark of all the measures that we have. Like it honestly doesn't matter what we say tomorrow or the next, or next Sunday or the next Sunday if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you don't belong to Christ. And so I think it's wise for all of us to go, do I belong to Jesus? Do I know for sure? And then here's what I wanna encourage you, right? I told you I wanted to tell you the what, I'm sorry, the how, but also like what does this mean? And man, I started looking and, and I, I found a guy, his name's, um, Bill Eliff, he wrote a, a quick article called 50 Overwhelming Benefits of Being in Christ. Um, and what I loved is that, that it was literally almost every verse of Romans 8, which was our last scripture we looked at last week. And I thought, how, how perfect is it for us to look at the benefits of belonging to Jesus with Romans 8? Now, I whittled them down, reworded them a little bit, but I wanna read you what does it mean to belong to Jesus? And if you're in Christ, and I hope that this brings encouragement this morning. You've probably heard the gospel message that I just preached a thousand times before, but here's what Jesus has purchased for you and I. All from Romans 8. So I'd say, hey, this week, go read Romans 8 and go find all these. We are no longer under any condemnation. We are set free from sin and death. Christ did something for us we could not do for ourselves. We walk in the power of the Spirit we have been given life and peace instead of death. Our mind is no longer hostile towards God. We are pleasing to God. Some of y'all need to just hear this in Christ this morning. You are pleasing to God because you are in Jesus. We're led by the spirit. We are sons and daughters of God. We have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear. He has set us free from fear and worry. We have received a spirit of adoptions as sons and daughters by which we're able to call the Father, Abba, Father. Because we are children, we are heirs with God and fellow heirs with Christ. The sufferings of the present time cannot compare to the glory that will be revealed to us. Our bodies will soon be completely redeemed. You and I are called holy and sinless, but there will be a day where you will actually be holy and sinless, and I will wanna hang out with you a whole lot more. I'm just, I'm totally kidding, totally kidding. I probably still won't wanna hang out. I'm not. <laughs> we have hope. God calls us all things to work together for you and I. We have a glorious purpose to become conformed to the image of his son. God is for you. Who can be against you? He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for you. 
He will freely give you all things. We can have no charge brought against us because we have already been justified by the ultimate judge. We cannot be condemned because Jesus died, was raised, and intercedes for us. We will never be separated from the love of Christ. Tribulation will not separate us from Christ's love. Distress will not separate us. Persecution will not separate us. Famine will not separate us. Nakedness will not separate us. Peril will not separate us. The sword will not separate us. We are overwhelmingly conquered through him who loves us even when we're persecuted all day. Death will not separate us. Life will not separate us. Angels, principalities, things present, things to come, power, height, depth will not separate us. No created thing will separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. To belong to Jesus means that the king of the universe is for us and with us. He will never abandon us. He will never forsake us. And he has good things planned for us. And we have a future hope of glory with him. This is what it means to belong to Jesus. And out of all the measures, this is the most important one. We have hope this morning in Christ. If you are in Jesus, walk with hope because Christ has won it for you. And go and live in Romans 8.1 and revel in the fact that King Jesus is your older brother, that you have a heavenly father who cares for you and will be with you. And I pray that you're encouraged of what it means to belong to Christ this morning. And it's a check mark for each of us. And the last part of this, in the short time we have left, I want to talk for a moment then. Belonging to Christ, him becoming our father, he says, now that you are a part of the household of God. And this is the hard part, (laughs) that we are to belong to community. And it's difficult, church. We, We have to be honest that Christ's call for you and I to be interwoven as a people, even though we didn't know each other well until all of a sudden we meet at church, he's going, this is good and right and I wanna work something in you for my glory and your good. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's this moment where Paul begins to talk about the human body and he says the church, you and I, are kinda like the human body, right? Uh, There's all kinds of different members that serve different functions, but unless they're working together, the body does not work right. It's kind of like my household. I'm going, look, we all have a place in this house, and if you don't do your part, this this household does not run correctly. The church is no different. He's going, he's brought you into his family. You, You have brothers and sisters in Jesus, and we are called, we are allowed to love each other the way Christ loves us. And so he gives this picture of the body, and then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25 through 26, it says this that there may be no division in the body. He's going, part of what it means to be in Christ and to be a part of the church is that we walk in unity. Even when things get hard, even when you are wronged, we're, per- we're pursuing reconciliation because that's how Christ treats us. And he continues on, he says, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And I know you've heard this before, but I want you to think about how does this play out in your life today? If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. There is no, I would say this, when's the last time that you look in this room 
Um, when's the last time you rejoiced with somebody in this room for what was going on in their life? When, when's the last time you suffered with somebody in this room because they were suffering? Look, to be in biblical community, to be able to do this means we've got to know each other. And look, I, I, I get the scariness of that, all right? Like, it's easy for me to go, hey, it's me and Jesus, right? Jesus is never gonna leave me, forsake me. He's not gonna let me down. He's always been good to me. But if I, if I let you in, you're going to fail me. I've given you the ability now to hurt me or my family. And if I trust you to come through for something, more than likely, there's gonna be a moment where you let me down, so I might as well just do this myself. It's difficult, and it's not natural. Our natural bend as people is to keep our circles really, really close and really tight. Right? We go, man, I'm, I'm not going to let a lot of people into this because this is safe. If I keep this close and I keep this tight, then I've literally said, hey, you can't get in, and so you can't hurt me. And, man, Jesus is going, look, man, there, there is this amazing thing called biblical community. And it's scary and it's hard, but, but he, he wants to do some amazing work in you and I through it. Can, one of the, the flip side of all this, one of the most amazing things I think I've ever seen is the grace of Jesus displayed in the people of God. Like if you've ever had anybody in the church love you or serve you, you are getting to experience in a tangible way the love of Christ. Like he's orchestrating people because he loves you to come and do something in your be, on your behalf to say, look, I see you, I'm with you, and I'm for you. And to be on the other side of that is just as sweet. To be on the other side where your heart all, all of a sudden is stirred and you're grieving, you go, man, I wanna serve this person, I wanna care for this person. You get to be a part of the hands and the feet of Christ. It's amazing. It's difficult, it's scary, but it's this amazing thing that God has called us into. And that's why Jesus goes, look, if you will love each other in the church, the world's gonna look on and they're gonna go, those are disciples of Jesus, and how in the world is that happening? What, what Christ has won in his death, burial, and resurrection is this new kingdom. You and I are a part of a new kingdom that is already present. Right? I said there's going to be a day where you will be holy, you will be righteous, and it's not going to be just Jesus calls you that, like you'll live in that. So there's a day where that's coming, but right now the kingdom of God is still at hand. We still get to experience that, and part of this kingdom is the people of God walking in love and unity and in community. And the world looks on and they go, man, who is this God? Because it's not natural for people to do that. And so here's what I want to call you to. I want to give you just a real quick some practical ways. Look, the church is not, we as staff members and elders, we, we want to provide for you opportunities to do this, but it's just like foundational pieces. Now, there needs to be something stirred up in you that you go, God, would you, would you help me to get out of my comfort zone and to know some people? to let people into my circle, to serve people, to show people who you are? Because, man, I'm telling you, it is some of the fullness of life that God offers for us. Sharing your faith, you will experience some of the fullness of joy that Christ has. If you haven't shared your faith with somebody, you're missing out on part of what God has called us to that will, that will produce a lot of joy in your life. It'll, it'll produce nearness to the Lord, and community is no different. If you're someone that just comes, and this isn't a guilt trip, I'm just telling you God's got more for us. If you're someone that comes on a Sunday morning and you leave, and that's about the extent of what you would like to be in community, you're missing out on some really deep joy that Christ provides for you and I. 
but it takes some trust in the Lord that he'll protect you in the midst of his people. And so I wanna give you just some really practical ways to end up this, uh, this morning of how we can do that. These are just starting places. Uh, we, we mentioned the, the men's and women's gathering. We do that four times a year, right? So you're not gonna make deep-seated friendships meeting with some people four times a year every quarter. So what, what our purpose is, is that we'd go, man, we, we hope that every man and every woman at some point would go, you know what, I'm gonna step way out of my comfort zone. I'm gonna show up at this dude's house or this lady's house. I'm gonna eat some food. I'm gonna talk to some people I don't know and I'm gonna pray with some folks. And what that would do in you is spark some relationships that you didn't even know could exist. Some deep-seated, God-glorifying relationships that you need. And so I'd go, man, would you pray about coming to a men's gathering, coming to a women's gathering with the understanding that that's what it's there for. (laughs) It's not our main discipleship method to to meet with you four times a year. It's a way for you to to start relationships. I, I think practically how to do this, I think about Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Here's what it says. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Question for you, did you walk in this morning going, man, part of what God desires for me today at Wellspring Church is to stir someone up to love and good deeds in the Lord? That's part of what he said. Man, come and be ready. Be looking for moments for me to use you to stir people up in love and affection for me. He continues on, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. To walk in biblical community is going to take commitment and it's gonna take sacrifice, but it's gonna be worth it. (laughs) It will be so worth it for you and your walk with Jesus. Right now they say, and I don't even know how they get this number, but they say that the average attender of a church at this point in our culture is 1.3 times a month. And if you, I don't know, I guess they leave during the preaching probably. I don't know. 1.3 times a month. And they're saying that person feels extremely connected and engaged in the church. That's like, let's take the point three out. That, that's 12 times a year that you gathered with the people of God to worship. Again, this is not a guilt trip. Jesus has won for us something so much better. But he says, look, don't forsake meeting together. There's something spiritual that happens just gathering together as the people of God, and it's good for your soul. And so, yeah, we want you to come to worship services on Sunday mornings and all the things. Um, Man, we we encourage you. We'd say, look, if you want to serve, that's a great way to get into community. As you serve in your little niche area, I I stand out there with our our tunnel that's awkward for some of you, and some of you want high fives as you walk in. But but I love standing with those those guys and those girls because there's a little moment of community there where we catch up, right? Like something that simple begins to create community, and we go, man, find places to plug in. And then, you know, one, the biggest way is through covenant membership here at our church, we go, we want you to pray about being all in. We want you to pray about what it would mean for an elder to take your name specifically and be praying over that weekly and monthly and checking in with you that you would be known by the pastors of this church in a deep and intimate way. We, we want to invite you into that. And then lastly, here, here's the big one. Here's the big action step that I want you to pray about. We have what we call community groups, and we don't talk a lot about them. Look, they've been going since we started. 
And you may have been in a community group. You may have been a part of one that's still going. You may have been in one that exploded. You may have been in one when it, like at some point you were like, when does this end? You may have been in one you were like, I don't like these people. I've got to figure out how to get out of here, not awkwardly. I don't know how you've been in community groups, but we've decided, we've been thinking for about four or five months, how do we make these better? How do we make them easy and how do we make them tangible for you? And so in, in August, in a couple of weeks, we're gonna relaunch, well, we're gonna start with kind of a meet and greet, but uh, September, we're gonna relaunch community groups. And here's what I want you to pray about, and I think this is exciting. This is a very tangible action step for you this morning. We, we have 13 people or couples that have said, we will host a community group. Uh, August the 20, let me make sure I don't lie to you on the date. August the 27th, they're all gonna be lined out here in the foyer. And we just want you to speed date for a moment. I want you to walk by. I want you to meet these people. I want you to go, super weird, not come to your house. Cool, I'm glad you're at my church. Or hey, I really like you. That's awesome. I may come to your house, right? Take some moments, meet these 13 individuals. And here's the commitment. We, we've, we've kind of been in a time with community groups where we said, that's just gonna go forever, you know? Like just until you die, those are your people. And some of you are like, don't want that. Um, and I get that. And so... And maybe you're like me and you got a thousand things going. I need a little bit less of a commitment. So here's how this is gonna work. Our community groups are gonna work uh, in semesters. So September the 10th, your community group that you sign up for will start meeting. And we've asked those community groups to meet six times. So that'll get you, if you met once or twice a a month, that'll get you to middle of December. And then that, that commitment's done. And the goal is that you can start fostering this community with with other people. Look, we call them community groups for a reason. They're not the main way we disciple people in this church, okay? It's not a Bible study. we, We have Bible studies. We're gonna put out more Bible studies. That's needed, but this isn't our discipleship arm. Community is a part of discipleship, but this isn't our main arm. It it is a place for you to come and to pray and to be known, to share the things that are happening in your family, to eat some meals together, and and just to rejoice and weep together. And so we're going, man, would you pray as a people about this fall? Can you commit September the 10th to December, middle of December, and meet with some folks six times? And and I guarantee you, man, God will do great things in that. It will, it will bless you. Look, I'm in a community group every Sunday that it's community group. I'm like, don't want to go, want to go take a nap. But then I go and I'm like, praise God I went. This is good. And so we want you to be a part of this. We think it's important. We think it's important enough that we met many, many times and revamped this thing and we've trained up 13 families and some host homes to get you in their houses so you can be known. And so I want to encourage you as a family or an individual, would you pray about what does it look like to commit for a semester. They'll launch back the next semester and you can go, love that, wanna be with the same people, love those people, that's awesome, you can jump back into that. Or you may go, man, maybe God's calling me to help foster this and lead out in this, you can be a leader in the spring. Or maybe you go, those people were psycho and I never wanna go back in that house. I don't know what you'll do. But what we're asking for is these semester commitments to just be known and to know somebody, to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to experience the fullness of what it means to belong to Christ and to belong to community. Let's pray together. And so Jesus, I thank you that you have won for us a new household. <laughs> that, this, that our faith and our salvation is not just about 
our relationship with you, but it, it is literally contingent and hanging on our relationship with others as well. You say that if we love you, we will love the, your people. And so we thank you for salvation and we thank you for the family of God and we thank you that even though it's hard and we get hurt because we're sinful people, we're able to pursue forgiveness the way you forgive us. And so God, we just wanna grow in our relationship with you and with the church. And so I, I pray for us that we would be willing to step out and belong to community. Some of us desperately just need a good friend that will speak truth to us. And so I pray that those are formed this fall. I thank you that you've given us your people to show your grace in a tangible way. I thank you for this church that I do feel pursues community and values community. And God, we thank you that we get to belong to you. We thank you that we are yours, that we experience covenantal love, unfailing, unchanging love. We thank you that you're with us and you're for us. And so this morning, God, as we just take a moment to pray really practical prayers, would you speak to us? Would you move us to obedience? And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.